Iowa everywhere. Mike Palm, Ken Miller, together on Iowa Everywhere. Welcome to The Hook, powered by Circa Sports Iowa. Sports betting the way it should be. This is Iowa Everywhere. It indeed is The Hook. My name is Ken Miller. Uh, I work at uh, Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. My partner is Mike Palm. He's the Vice President of Operations uh, at Circus Sports. Circus Sports sponsors this endeavor, along with a number of other podcasts coming your way uh, from Iowa everywhere. Mike Palm joins me. Hello, Mike. How are you? Good afternoon, Kenny. How are you? Excited to be on Iowa Everywhere with you. Iowa Everywhere with you. Yeah, I am too, Mike. This is the first time I've done a podcast, believe it or not. I mean, I know our radio show gets podcast, the uh, the daily show, but uh, this is a new endeavor for me, and I'm excited to see where this goes. And obviously, glad that I'm doing it with you and uh, uh, the partnership with uh, with we have at, uh, at Circus Sports. So, so, Mike, we're going to uh, jump around. I think a little bit on our on our first show. Uh, why don't you introduce yourself? I mean, we said it on the air on the radio. You join us every Friday on KXNO, and you're an Iowa guy, born, raised in Dubuque, went to Notre Dame, graduated from Notre Dame. Why don't you tell the audience uh, that may be seeing you for the first time, uh, hearing you for the first time on the hook, just a little bit about yourself, Mike. Yeah, that's that's all true. Yeah, that's, Dubuque Waller, uh, Notre Dame, uh, then Notre came Dame. back to Iowa back after to that, Iowa and actually taught, that and actually taught uh, at Sacred Heart and Boom, Sacred Heart and Boom, grade elementary Catholic school there. Catholic school there. Um, was making uh, $18,000 coaching three sports. Coaching so I started three dealing sports. poker in the summers and uh, it sort of went from there. I uh, got into the gaming industry, uh, ended up uh, working at the Miss Marquette, Marquette, Iowa, the president Davenport, then got into the Northwest Indiana market uh, near Chicago uh, at the time was hired by, it was showboat. It then became a Harris worked there for uh, almost six years Spent a year in Atlantic City at the Borgata, part of the opening team at the Borgata. Came back, worked at Potawatomi for a year in Milwaukee um, before heading to Vegas in 2005, which is where I've been ever since. Uh, here I've worked uh, uh, at the MGM. That was my first job here in Las Vegas. And then, uh, you know, at the Palms, at the Venetian. Um, but I've been with, uh, with the current company I'm with, which is Circa, um, for 16 years, it actually started out as Fitzgerald's uh, in 2006 in downtown Las Vegas. The general manager I had worked for back in the Chicago area market, and we hooked up. And uh, so even though I worked two jobs for about six years, uh, that was my main job. Uh, it was bought by Derek Stevens in 2011, rebranded the D. He also had the Golden Gate. And then we began this really five-year process of playing Monopoly, acquiring a whole city block downtown and, and building Circa. Got to start our own sports book. And, uh, and here we are today. Well, and if, if you haven't stayed or if you haven't visited or stayed uh, at, at the property itself, uh, do yourselves a favor. Mike, as I've said numerous times, I've been to Las Vegas literally dozens of times. I think probably if you were, I've spent well over 
a hundred nights uh, in Las Vegas, well over that, probably over 365 nights. But up until recently, I'd never stayed downtown. I was what I refer to myself as kind of a strip snob, that if you're going to Vegas, you have to be part of the action. The action's on the strip, dot, dot, dot. Got a little older, uh, found Palm's Place, really liked it there, et cetera. But then uh, over the uh, last couple of years, when you guys uh, finally cut the ribbon and opened the doors at Circa, I made my way uh, down to Fremont Street. Mike, I don't know why I'd ever want to stay anywhere else. Not only is Circa the property itself, the rooms are spectacular, the amenities that come along with it, the food, the restaurants are great. It's the world's biggest sports book. Uh, And if you're a fan of betting on sports or just watching sports, it's the place to do it. But it's the overall experience, Mike, that I think a lot of tourists that go to Las Vegas, they really miss out on the opportunity to – you know, to go and spend the night downtown in old Las Vegas, it's really something that most people should at least tr- make an attempt to do so on a weekend excursion. Well, first of all, I'm surprised you were a strip snob having been born in Canada. We have a, a, a good Canadian following downtown. And then having lived in Iowa for so many years, I mean, the upper Midwest is really our wheelhouse for our customer base. But it's totally different. You know, today's strip if you want to go from one casino to the next it might take you 45 minutes you know downtown you've got nine casinos in really a two block area and you pop in and out from one to the other if you're not you're not having any luck at one walk right across the street it takes you 30 seconds and we have a good atmosphere it's really like an outdoor bar crawl down there on on fremont and what derek's done in building this property it's it's truly magnificent with the world's largest sports book stadium swim the outdoor aquatic amphitheater uh, we're getting a lot of attention there. I'm just watching social media with all these guys, you know, sweating their first quarter bets in the millions. They were there sweating out, you know, finishing in the top five. And so many people coming there uh, to enjoy the football season at Stadium Swim. And, of course, the, the summer party scene as well. And it's open all year round, 365 days a year. Yeah. Do you uh, do you remember, Mike, the temperature? So to go out there in January, Super Bowl weekend, I know it's getting very tough to do so already uh, for this upcoming Super Bowl. But the water temperatures stays at what is it, is it is in the 90s? Yeah, well, we can control it. So, you know, in the summer, obviously, you're going to have it down around 82, 83. But in the winters, you know, the pools act like hot tubs. We, we can heat all all six of them and we can take it uh, up. We could take it over 100, but, you know, 96 is safe. So the place to be once you get through uh, Thanksgiving really is to be in the pool when you're out there. And that's what we're introducing a whole new season in December and January called Winter Swim, where we have some tricks up our sleeve this this season. Well, I can't wait to uh, for you to share the details on that. So let's share some details about this past weekend. Uh, from what I have read, college football was seemingly – um, the books did pretty well on college football. Um, I mean, that might be painting with a pretty broad brush, but then the betters turned around and seemingly got you guys when it came to the NFL on Sunday. Uh, would you say that was accurate? What did you guys uh, have success with on Saturday? Is the particular game that went your way more than others? You know, it's, it's really the opposite for us because we allow the sharps to bet at high limits. So when every book tells you they had a great Sunday, generally we didn't. So for us, we got crushed on Saturday, then we did well on Sunday. And it's, it's just that different between the, the non-pro better and, and, and the, the pro or semi-pro better. Uh, we got beat up on Saturday. Uh, we, we got beat up badly on the Illinois-Wisconsin game. Uh, and they came back with Illinois in the second half. I mean, and so we started, we started out in a big hole um, and, and never really got out of it. 
the only game that the, the pros were on late that went our way was they were on Virginia and Duke covered that game uh, pretty easily. So we got some, some buyback there, but uh, you know, it, it wasn't a pretty day. And then we turned around uh, and, and did decently on Sunday, especially Sunday night, you know, the bucks was a super sharp play all week long and they kept betting it. They kept betting it. It didn't get moved. They bet it more. You saw that number go from pick to two and a half back to pick to one and a half the other way. And I mean, the game was sort of over early with the opening kickoff and Mahomes and company looked great. So decent. And then last night I was surprised. I, the, the, the action was balanced because there were so many bets on the Rams, but the pro money was on the 49ers. We lost, but very small in that game. I'm happy we didn't come out worse because again, the 49ers was a sharp play last night. So what did you see in that game the, from the Niners? I, I think the roster, and I've said as much on the radio, two for 53 might be the, as good a roster as you're going to find out of the 32 teams in the league. But it's that quarterback position. But last night, Jimmy Garoppolo said on the air today he, he looked good, um, which isn't setting the bar real high. For, for Jimmy Garoppolo, if he plays like he did last night, Mike, the Niners are going to be a tough out in the NFC. Well, but that's how he plays, and he didn't play that well in the NFC Championship game, remember? He's won eight straight games against the Rams in the regular season, but they lost the NFC Championship game, although it was a close game, right? He's not going to win a game for you. Hopefully he doesn't lose the game for you. Their defense is awfully good. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Rams really couldn't get anything going. They're the only team to hold McVay under 10 points in his tenure twice. They've done it now. And they can run the ball when they want to. When they get to lead in the fourth quarter – they can run the ball. Look, they went to Green Bay, and I thought the story of the playoffs last year was their win in Green Bay because I don't think the Rams ever make it to the Super Bowl no. if the 49ers don't knock that Green Bay. I don't think the Rams are going to Lambeau the next week and winning the NFC Championship game. They might have, but that sort of opened up the table for everything. Uh, they got to be a little better in the red zone. Too many field goal attempts last night, but they're, they're going to be a tough out. They, they will be a tough out. They have as creative a running game as you'll see. I love what Shanahan does with the running game, the way they involve the backs. Uh, and the way they keep sort of keep you off balance and they can chew clock with the lead. So, you know, pe- people bet the Rams because they said, well, they're one and two. The Rams are two and one. The Rams are the defending champs. Their only loss was to the Bills. Why are they the dog? Well, you saw why they were the dog. Yeah, indeed you did. You know, before we get back into sports waging, let's uh, just uh, tap the brakes for a second. You mentioned the Wisconsin-Illinois game. Of course, uh, the news that came after that was uh, that Paul Christ, who's, whose record's really pristine, when you when you add it up and stack it up to some of the other of his peers, even in the Big Ten West, and um, how he was fired uh, w- with the record that he had with the New Year's Six Bulls that he's not only participated in his team, but has actually won the Rose Bowl that they lost was a terrific finish. How surprised were you, Mike, that Paul Christ was shown the door at Wisconsin? Well, I'm very surprised. I, I was shocked. And I know it has something to do with their offensive style and people – don't like that offensive style. But I went back and I looked at, let's take a look at Paul Chris versus Kurt Farron since 2015 when, when Chris took over as the head coach at Wisconsin. And, of course, he'd been the OC there before and then the head coach at Pittsburgh. Kurt Ferentz is 66 and 27. Paul Chris, 67 and 26. Big 10 record, Kurt Ferentz, 43 and 20. Paul Chris, 43 and 18. Here's where you differentiate it. Ferentz, 3 and 3 in bowl games, 0 and 1 in New Year's Day. You mentioned it. Chris, 6-1 and one with the only loss to a Justin Herbert-led Oregon team. And remember the very controversial pass interference call on Wisconsin when they had the ball down with a chance to drive down and win that game? 
and they called a pass interference when they completed a long first down. And then Herbert makes a completion and Oregon runs out the clock six and one in bowl games. And, and he won two new year, six bowl games as well. Um, so is it, is it the expectations at Wisconsin are higher than at Iowa? You know, Chris hasn't really faced any controversies off the field. Ference obviously has, uh, yep. and, and, or is it the culture at Iowa where the, the stability, it's like the Pittsburgh Steelers, right? Hayden Fry changed the uniforms to emulate the Steelers when he came in. But is it the stability and the philosophy of the University of Iowa? Ference in his 24th season, Hayden Fry, 20 seasons, Dan Gable, 22 seasons, Lisa Bluter, this is her 22nd season. Vivian Stringer was there 13 years before her. Tom Davis, 13. Fran McCaffrey's been there 12 now. I mean, there's just such a stability in the philosophy at the University of Iowa. So I, I don't know what is it. Is it expectations or philosophy? But I, I, I caution Wisconsin and Barry Alvarez. You know, Nebraska wasn't happy with nine wins every year from Frank Solich and two top 10 finishes, right? And now look where they're at. They're in big trouble. Uh, uh, there's no question about that. Do you think there's anything to the – Jim Leonard, I think, is a pretty hot candidate. And, and perhaps they got wind that uh, there's going to be a school that's going to come calling for him and they don't want him to get away. Do you think that had, any, had anything to do with uh, the decision, Mike? Well, but wouldn't Leonard be best somewhere that has a dynamic offense already where he can build a defense? He's still got the problem of that that offense – uh, it, I thought an interesting Chris took a, took a haircut on the, on the buyout, although he gets it all in a lump wow. sum by, by first quarter next year, 11 instead of 19 million. But I'll bet you it's written in he can take a job before that as well. So if he wants to, if he wants to land somewhere here come December or January, he's available. He doesn't have to wait uh, a year and miss a whole year of coaching. Yeah, it wouldn't mitigate that, that that buyout. He gets the 11, he puts it in the bank. As you mentioned, February of next year, uh, he gets the whole thing. Uh, so so let's move on. Let's talk college football from a national perspective. Uh, Georgia did not look good against Missouri. They struggled. If it would have should have, Mizzou possibly wins that football game. We know that the uh, young is injured at Alabama. Ohio State, they're doing what they're doing, and they've still got uh, some of their best players injured. Uh, who's the best team in college football as we sit here today? If you were, you know, making a future bet to, at, at Circa, you wanted to identify the national championship is going to be, who would that be, Mike? Well, I said before the year, Alabama and Ohio State, Georgia was awful impressive early. They've sputtered two weeks in a row now against uh, Kent State and then against Missouri, which is a team that really doesn't throw the football. I know they, the turnovers were a problem in Columbia for them. Uh when will Bryce Young come back? I think that's a factor here. Alabama is now going to go with this, this running package with the, the backup quarterback. I think Ohio State's going to be there at the end. I, 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 you know, I would pencil Ohio State in. Alabama and Georgia have the problem that they're probably going to play each other in the SEC championship game. So hiccups along the way are a problem for them because they won't be able to get in with, with two losses. They might be able to, like last year, the loser's still in. But if you, if you slip up in the conference – uh, then you put yourself behind the eight ball half in to win uh, the SEC title game. Um, USC is interesting in the West. Can they beat Utah? Because I think if they can beat Utah, maybe they run the table. If USC runs the table, they're going to be a playoff team. You know that yep. uh, with Lincoln Riley. So, so they're in the picture there too. I'm not really a believer in Clemson. I, I think he'd be better off uh, uh, Daba Daba do going to the backup. Uh, I, I don't, you know, 
Uga Aleli, I, I, I don't know that he can win it for you. Their defense is still solid. I don't put them up there on that, on that next level, though. So the Big 12 is going to beat each other up. Nobody's really going to come out of the Big 12, I don't think. Uh, so you're looking again at, you know, I think Ohio State probably for the odds is the best bet because I think they're going to be in the championship game. But USC lurks there. But, you know, that's you could bet USC and then hedge by betting Utah in a heads up matchup. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's some good advice. So let's look forward when the when the playoff expands. I'm not sure that you guys have had any, you know, internal meetings at Circa as to what this is going to mean as far as handle those weeks in December. You've got you've got Army Navy and then you've got the minor bowl games. I know the Las Vegas bowl game, I believe, is part of opening weekend. What do you guys anticipate that uh, a college football, a 12 team college football playoff as far as ticket right? How much business is that going to uh, uh, to generate? Well, I think it, I think those playoff games will generate four to five X that the minor bowl games would generate. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's going to, it's going to be money, obviously the TV rights through the roof. So this is all a money play. It has to be, why wouldn't they go to six teams? Six teams was much more logical in terms of fairness to everyone out there. So you didn't shut out teams. Uh, Mm -hmm. You, you know, you can go with a five power five conference champions and then the best at large, or you can go with four in a group of five and, and, it seemed to make more sense, you know, wherever they're going to be argue when you do 12, the 13th team has an argument, right? But look at the money that March Madness generates with, with having six, I say 68, forget that play in games. Nobody cares. 64, right? 64 teams, 32 games uh, in the opening round and then 16 and all the way through 63 games to crown a champion uh, and what that generates. And I think the NCAA looks at that and says, why can't we do more with football? It's, it's a bigger brand. And so that's why you got 12. Yeah, it's, it's going to be fascinating. And I think it's going to happen sooner rather than later. I just don't think they're going to leave that money on the table. Before we get into this week, both college and NFL, I want to pick your brain on baseball as well as we're, uh, for the most part, uh, the uh, we know the playoff teams. They're still working on seeding uh, as we record this today. But let's take a break from sports wagering. Let's talk about Circa itself, the property. Uh, Mike, I've been uh, fortunate enough to stay there, I think, three times now uh, since we formed our relationship back last year in July. Um the room is a, it's a, for the most part, a brand new facility. And there's still so much more that can be done there. So where are you at now? Talk about the, the room, the capacity, how many people have found Circa and are staying Circa, making that a destination on their weekends. And then going forward, the, the room for expansion at the property itself. Yeah, so we opened October 28, 2020. So not even two years old yet. We'll have our two-year anniversary later this month. 512 hotel rooms, 90 suites, but we still have eight floors we haven't built out yet. And, and the reason for that was we didn't want to commit to the suite mix right away, not knowing who our customer was going to be. Um, yeah, so, so there's still room. That's, that's phase three, really. Phase two just completed with our, our convention space, Kenny. We just opened up at the end of August our brand-new ballroom uh, and then all the meeting rooms there on level three, Folks will get a chance. They did when they, they, I had my football preview. was really the first public event there. But we'll have our New Year's party there for the first time. I've done 16 of them at the D. It'll be my first one, obviously not there, but it'll be at, at the ballroom at Circa. Um, and, and then Super Bowl as well. We'll have, we'll have a major party there, March Madness and, and all of that. Um, so we're really excited about that. The hotel, yeah, I know you and, and Trent talked about how impressed you are with the hotel rooms. I, I think they're done very, very well. 
Uh, so many of them get to face that stadium swim. That's incredible uh, as well. Um, very comfortable, very comfortable night stay. The Legacy Club on the rooftop is growing and growing in popularity, especially with business groups, um, views of the entire city. Uh, we're having specialty events up there every month, different theme parties. We did a Gatsby night. We're going to do a masquerade later this month for Halloween. Put, trying to put together uh, something for Drinksgiving, for Thanksgiving, you know, and then, and then for Christmas, a lot of holiday parties as well. Uh, and, then, and then, you know, the restaurants, Barry's Steakhouse, uh, from, from, you know, Chef Barry from Nine Group and his team have come and made an unbelievable experience. Saginaw's Deli, 24-hour mm -hmm. restaurant there, 8 East, just incredible reviews, Asian Fusion, and Victory Burger that sits right above the sports book which is a burgers and wings menu from uh, the owners of ACI American Coney Island from Detroit and uh, at the D it's uh, the food spectacular. The rooms are great. And again, it's the world's largest sports book and it is a uh, quite a spectacle to be there. So would you recommend, you know, you're, you're getting out there, you're going to an NFL Sunday. Um, obviously everybody's tastes are different. If somebody asks you, should I go to stadium swim or should I, should I reserve a seat at the book? What would you say? I'd say it depends on what week it is. We're right now into this perfect time of October and early November to be outdoors where the sun isn't too hot in the daytime for me. That's just for me personally. I think, you know, weeks one through four in the NFL, best in the book. And then the last six weeks or so of the year, best in the book, just because of the weather elements. Now I'm interested to see what we do with the winter swim and how that all plays into it uh, for, uh, for stadium swim you can't go wrong with either of them right i mean the atmosphere it's like being in a stadium with people sweating games and screaming yelling and and, and their tickets uh, obviously you have the writers there in the book if you don't have the app but if you go upstairs get the app i mean you put your bets in right on your phone if you don't get the app then you got to wait in line at the kiosk so there's a little bit of an advantage to being in the book but if you get your app then that's a wash you know, one of the uh, and I don't want to call it underrated anymore because I think people have caught on um, when it, you, you mentioned earlier the uh, the NCAA tournament. And it is a blast. But the week before we were out there for the conference tournaments, Mike, underrated is not a fair term because so many people have caught on. But that's a pretty spectacular week, too. When you're ranking the weeks um, in your business, if you like to bet on sports, if you like to watch sports, I'm guessing that Super Bowl is far and away number one. Or is it? And then what's, you know, kind of what falls after the Super Bowl, assuming it is one? The Super Bowl is, is number one in terms of for the casino and, and the business as the number one weekend. Um, opening weekend of March Madness is now number two. Uh, and I would have said five years ago that New Year's Eve might have been number three. Uh, but I don't think it is anymore. Um, it, just because... Uh, it tends to be a little bit much to try to, to get around in town at that time. And the strip shuts down and all of that. Uh, I would say number three clearly now is opening weekend of the NFL mm. uh, is, is now a top three. I mean, people, people come out once a year, they want to come out for opening weekend. It also plays into your getting into the contest. If you haven't got into them as well, uh, the circa the circa millions and uh, the circus survivor. Uh, so I'd say those are our top, top three, the conference tournament weekend is probably eighth or ninth in there, but, but it's growing. And plus we have the tournaments here in Las Vegas. So that helps as well. Uh, 
you know, the more sporting events we can get with T-Mobile and Allegiant now, the better it helps. I mean, we might just be having the best weekend of the fall come up because of Notre Dame and BYU at Allegiant on Saturday afternoon. That, that helps the city out tremendously. It's going to bring a lot of people. And, of course, the Super Bowl is coming in the uh, not-too-distant uh, uh, future as well. Mike Palm is joining us, Vice President of Operations at Circus Sports. You're watching the Hook Podcast or listening to the Hook Podcast brought to us uh, by Circus Sports. Mike, let's get back into the NFL. Now, you know, before we do that, uh, before we get into the games itself, you mentioned the contests uh, Circus Millions and Circus Survivor. We had three entries in Circus Survivor. This this contest is as difficult as an endeavor as I've ever attempted. But if playing fantasy football, it's fun and everything. But this has taken it to a whole new level. When you put $1,000 up and, and seemingly all, and I'm air quoting, all you have to do is pick one winner. Point spread is not involved in it. It seems like something you should be able to do every week, knowing that you can only use that team once a year. But, Mike, we lost two entries in the very first week of the season, and then the Chiefs picked their worst week maybe all year long uh, when they played the Colts and went down to defeat. This contest is incredibly difficult, and our group already is looking forward to next week when we're going to go all in instead of having three. We're going to have a max of six. What a great, uh, what a great contest. Uh, the, um, the work to get to this point, over 6,000 people, and you said that you believe is going to grow. I think within the next five years, it'll get to 20,000 people, Kenny. I just, I, I, I just think it's going to keep exploding. We went from, you know, 1,300 to, to – to 4,100 4, to, to 6,100, right? So, I mean, that, that's huge to keep growing it uh, 50% every year. Uh, you know, if the Packers, if yeah. the Packers lose that game, if they tie it, right, if they don't win it mm-hmm. or lose it, we're down to like 500 entries left out of 6,100. Wow. It, it is really incredible. I don't think – if we'd have got to that point, I'm, I'm, it's, you know, does it make it through Christmas – I don't know. I think it makes it through Thanksgiving, but does it make it? So a big uh, sigh of relief from the Packer backers, you know, and we're still over 1,200 entries here, but, you know, close to 80% of the pool out already uh, through four weeks. It's absolutely amazing. Yeah, it is. It's uh, you think it's easy, but boy, it's anything but that. So let's get back into the uh, uh, into uh, sports betting that's coming up this weekend. Thursday night football standalone. There doesn't seem to be as many college games, college football game on the uh, on the schedule as there have been in previous years. Maybe college football looked at it and said, you know what, we just can't compete. We're gonna play. We're gonna play some of our games on Friday. I see there's a game on Wednesday this week. A couple of Florida schools gonna do battle on Wednesday, but Thursday night when it uh, Thursday night or Monday. Monday night. What's a bigger night in the book? Oh, definitely Thursday. Thursdays seem to be much bigger nights um, than Mondays so far. And part of that might be due to Amazon. Mm. Uh, you know, there's still people that cannot see the telecast with Amazon in their homes. So I think it drives people out. And there's still some bars that aren't showing it, right? They, they first two weeks, they sort of made the deal because of load to keep showing it on direct TV. But now you have to have the Amazon Prime so that is sort of creating a market for sports books and bars that have it on Thursday nights. Plus, people tend to start the weekend on Thursdays now anyhow. And we're seeing this pattern. Used to be you check in on Friday, you check out Sunday, fly home Sunday night. People are staying all day Sunday and checking out early Monday morning because of what the NFL has become in the whole viewing experience, at least at our properties. 
So you're seeing a lot more Thursday check-ins and Monday check-outs. It's really expanding the window in both directions. Let's get into the NFL this upcoming slate. Week number five, uh, we'll start on Thursday night with the Colts taking on the uh, the Denver Broncos. Broncos are uh, a disappointing team to me. A, admittedly, I'm a fan, but even if I wasn't, Mike, uh, Rus- Russell Wilson – They've gave, they gave up three first-round picks, meaning that last year and two, is two more yet to go. They gave them $240 million. When you watch this Denver Broncos offense at this point, of course, the new head coach, Hackett, uh, leaves a lot to be desired as well. What do you see when you watch Denver? And how about the matchup against the Colts? And they've had the, their own struggles. Matt Ryan's off to a disappointing start. Well, this is uh, this will be some really horrific quarterback play we're going to see on Thursday night on Amazon Prime. I wonder... Uh, if Frank Reich needs to win this game to keep his job. Uh, Mm. This season is going poorly. The Colts were the favorites and became clear favorites when we kicked off the season to win the AFC South. You know, when the numbers first came out back in the early summer, the Titans and the Colts were a pick for the AFC South. The Colts were the clear favorite when the season started. They're a three-point dog in Denver. If they lose that game, they're 1-3-1. Tremendously disappointing. I think that game that you got knocked out on in Survivor was more about the Chiefs than it was about the Colts. The Colts had some turnovers. They had the ridiculous Chris Jones taunting penalty on sportsmanlike conduct. Somehow just kept extending that drive to the point where they scored and didn't even give Mahomes time to come back and got that done. I was on I was on Tennessee big last week, catching four. I got four. I couldn't believe they were. I thought that game should have been a pick. Uh, they really dominated that game. Uh, from the beginning, the Titans. I don't like this Colts team at all. Where's this offensive line that's supposed to be able to run the football? We haven't seen it. Matt Ryan looks like he's the next installment of Jurassic Park. I mean, just so slow and immobile. Wilson's played terrible. Let's be honest about it. And Denver's been disappointing as well. But uh, the Colts are – the Colts – you know, there's an argument to be made. They're third or fourth in that division right now with uh, Jacksonville and Tennessee finishing ahead of them. And Houston's been competitive, too, and has tied them once already in a game they led. So it it might be a a line in the sand game, though, uh, for Reich, because I think Ursay's ready to pull the trigger here if they lose this game. Hmm. Uh, the uh, the number's gone what has gone up a tad I think uh, so let's talk about that when when the number first goes up obviously it's the amount of money that, that that's bet on a particular game that causes the number to move uh, how quickly do you guys adjust when a number comes out I mean are you watching the very first bets to see which way you should be going take us kind of behind the scenes as to how those numbers are moving and what is causing it Mike well, there's several factors, Kenny, and, and let's be clear. We originate the college football line. That's the first line in the world, and we put it out at 1 o'clock central time on Sunday afternoon, the next week's college football lines. And then we take bets into that number. Two max bets will get us to move the number in college football. Pro's a little bit different. We're not originating the number. We're looking at other markets as well and where they're moving the number. And it's not so much how much money or how many bets are coming in on a game as it is – Who's betting it? You know, there are certain bettors that are more respected or certain groups that are more respected, and you have to get ahead of that. Uh, you know, in college, this right-angle sports, here's the thing. When they put out a play, you're going to get 30 people betting it, so you got to try to stay ahead of that. It's, it's everybody betting it at the same time that really moves the number. And if a, a group like that puts out a play and you're going to get all one-way action on the game, it's going to move quickly. You try to stay ahead of it so they don't get the best of the number with the whole group. There's so many factors. Obviously, too, all our guys are pouring 
over Twitter and social media and reading the beat reporters on injuries and what we anticipate during the week. But look, who who would have known Ibrahim wasn't playing for Minnesota? He was on no injury report. There was no talk all week of that. I mean, how do you bet the game dropped because the Purdue quarterback came back and went down from 12 to nine and a half off that news. What would that number have really been with no Ibrahim? Six, six and a half. I mean, it's that kind of information is so valuable. No, you're preaching the choir, Mike. I've been saying it for years. The lack of transparency when it comes to college. It was probably probably four years ago now. Jim Delaney, I think it was his final year uh, at Big Ten Media Days in his role as commissioner. And one of the things that he emphasized he's going to get done is he's going to insist that there's going to be an injury report that's produced every week. I don't need to know if uh, if Joe Smith has a bad elbow or a bad knee. I just need to know if Joe's doubtful, questionable, out, or he's going to play or not. But that game that you referenced, it's a perfect example. We got the word on O'Connell that he was going to play. Significant upgrade at the quarterback position. But Mohamed Ibrahim, as he goes, this Gophers offense goes, and it caught everybody off guard. The lack of transparency, what can be done, if anything? Well, you were still struggling with some with some pro leagues too, right? I mean, I wish the NHL would get better at at you know what upper body, lower body, and and this the NFL is the best, obviously, right? And and it's highly scrutinized, and I think the teams are very uh, they're very conscientious about being accurate on their reports and not trying to deceive anybody. But they know they're going to be heavy fines and, and sanctions if they do. Um, I wish the NHL would list goalies. They, they ought to list, why do you, I mean, the people in the arena that watch the skate around are the first ones that get to know who's going to start and go. It's like a starting pitcher. They ought to be required to release it. All this stuff that makes it better for sports betters and for sports books helps the sport. We've seen that. These sports grow, and it goes hand in hand with the, with the amount of legal sports wagering on the games, illegal too. But um, amount of people that can have action obviously increases the interest tenfold. It's an excellent point. You almost have to be at the rink to see which goalie leads the team onto the ice before you know who's going to start. Why, why don't they do that? Uh, let's get to the NFL, Mike. Just a quick hit on that, then college football. I do want to pick your brain on Major League Baseball as we're about to uh, enter the playoffs. Uh, what wild card weekend coming up uh, th- this week? Is there an NFL game that you guys are watching closer than the others? Is there one that uh, you posted on the board that uh, the respected betters uh, seem to uh, attack that number? If so, which would that be? You know, we've seen uh, we've seen a little bit of movement in this Packers game uh, in favor of the Giants. People still trying to figure out the Packers. They they looked lost on offense at home uh, against the Patriots in that game. Vikings Bears will always get a ton of action. Uh, that number sitting at seven, uh, it might be hard to come off the seven, but if it does, I think it would go down to six and a half. Uh, a few sharp bets uh, on the Bears so far. Um, Quarterback situations in the game in New York between the Dolphins and, and the Jets, uh, obviously up in the air. Um, that's about it for heavy early action. Obviously, we've seen some Raiders money come in here. This is the look ahead on this game with the Chiefs on Monday night. And, boy, we'll be busy at Stadium Swim and we'll be busy in the Ooh. book because the Raiders are out of town, but a huge game uh, with the Chiefs. The busiest day we ever had at Stadium Swim outside of Super Bowls was a Sunday night game between the Chiefs and the Raiders. Now we get a Monday night game. Uh, Raiders Chiefs it should be crazy the look ahead was eight and a half it's sitting at seven right now Mm, interesting you know um, 
when it comes to public teams, we hear the phrase public teams a lot. The Los Angeles Lakers in Las Vegas were a public team. Um, the Cowboys, I don't know, are they still a public team? Clearly now things have changed the landscape because the Golden Knights live there and so do the Raiders. But it, what, what's a public team? Who are the public teams that normally take more action than their play on the field or says that they should? Lakers are number one. I would put the Dodgers number two. Uh, the Dodgers are in every parlay every day. Um, Yankees get a lot of money. Remember, there's still a lot of New York influence uh, mm-hmm. in Las Vegas. The Steelers are a very public team. Uh, people still they have a very devoted fan base and a national fan base. They're still a very uh, public team as well. And, and in recent years now, uh, in the top five there, I put Golden State as well. Just because of the Curry factor and the fact that they're, you know, seemingly postseason. Now when Curry's back and Curry's playing, they just, they bet him, they bet him, they bet him. You know, Golden State will be down 12 in the third quarter of a game and they're still favored in game because you know all the money is going to be one-sided. Yeah, speaking of money one-sided to the college game, uh, whoever thought that uh, we would see Auburn grabbing 30 from Georgia, which is about where they're at right now, that number. Uh, is, the, is that maybe one of the college football lines that's uh, had a significant change from the opening line to where we're at here as we record on Tuesday? Yeah, I just put it together. Uh, I just looked at this before the show. Give me a second here, Kenny. Uh, of the biggest movers uh, so far this week, Alabama, 20 to 23 and a half from the opener. Mm-hmm. Ohio State, here's all your big teams, 23 to 26 this week. Uh, USC, 10 to 13. Nebraska from a pick to two and a half. Oregon from 10 to 12 and a half. Cincinnati from 25 to 28. The biggest movers so far. Mm. Uh, Saturday compared to Sunday. Not close. Is Saturday closing the gap? on handle-wise, to an NFL Sunday, how close does a college football Saturday get? They're both going up, too, this year. Uh, Are they? Generally, yeah. Generally, it's within 10 to 12% now. And there's some Saturdays with five, get close to 5% of the NFL. A lot depends on the matchups, too, from week to – is it a good, compelling board in college football? Um, and, then, and then, you know, last week – it hurt the NFL because the, the three thirty games, your time were horrific. I mean, the matchups were horrific. You, I mean, the Packers and Patriots is, but it's a 10 point line, right? Very little interest uh, in, in Carolina and, and Arizona. Now Carolina gets another one, three thirty game this week, one thirty my time strange with such horrific quarterback play with Baker. Uh, obviously there was a lot of interest locally in Denver and, and the Raiders last week. You know, why doesn't the NFL, I'm with you, there's, you know, there's eight games or whatever there is at noon and then three in that late window. I've never understood it, why they don't spread. I get that it's time zone, Eastern time zone, but that would be better for everybody, I think. Why don't they? Kenny, it was it was one in London, nine and three last week. That's ridiculous. Seven and five is perfect. And if you have to, if you don't have any odd game, eight and five, five games in the afternoon is perfect for everyone. Nine is too many to watch. I have to tell you, there's some of these I have to go back and watch, you know, NFL films or go back if I want to if I have an interest in the team the next week. And look, I can't pay attention. I'm trying to watch nine because I'm running the TVs 
but I see very few plays in certain games. I didn't really put the, the Atlanta Cleveland game on until the third quarter because they started, they were the first one to come out of halftime. I didn't watch a play of that in the first half other than to look up and see it was 10, nothing, then 10, 10. I'm not watching the game at all. There are too many darn games. I know they, they, they want to have teams with play a certain amount of games and certain amount of spotlight, certain amount of times and, and moving teams from the West and playing in the East. But they have to understand these businesses are predicated on that. You know, all these bars, there's a whole cottage industry of bars that they make it only during the NFL season. If they didn't have the NFL season, they wouldn't survive. We've seen how many restaurants closed during pandemic. A lot of these bars and grills are very reliant and this unbalanced schedule does nothing for them. You're 100% right. And again, preaching to the choir. This is The Hook, sponsored by Circa Sports, our weekly podcast. Mike Palm, VP of Operations at Circa. Uh, I'm Ken Miller from KXNO. Let's go to baseball, Mike. We'll get uh, get you out of here on this. Uh, the, the teams are in. Um, if you couldn't, Trent and I talked about this on the radio today, the, the, the four by teams, the four teams that will have the buy, the one and the two seed, the American league, likewise in the national league, let's move the Braves forward, give them the two, a bit, take a, a monumental collapse for them not to get that. So those, those four teams away from it of the remaining eight, who catches your attention? If anybody, boy, I don't know. The Blue Jays, maybe because they can hit and because of Manoa and Gossman and Barrios, Romano at the back of the bullpen, Cleveland's hot. Uh, the Cardinals are playing exceptionally good baseball. Can you find a team? You're struggling. I, I'm not with Toronto. I'm sorry. I know you're Canadian and that's your <laughs> national team. Forget Barrios. How can even start him on the road? If they get through the wild card and then they have to go on the road and play three games in a series, you can't, you have to start him at home. I'm not a Gaussman guy since he got to Toronto. He, he pitched much better with the Giants. Uh, and Manoa, to me, is like a little better version of Lance Lynn. I mean, he's really a one-pitch guy. His, his breaking ball is, is not great at all to me. you know. So he's the splitter, and that's about it. Um, or that cut fastball, whatever you want to call it. I, I would have wished that the Mets won the division – because then I would have liked to back the Braves as a wild card. Mm. It's going to be a really interesting first series Mets Padres. I think don't sleep on the Padres here. The Mets are deflated after losing that the Grom's got a blister. They're going to have to face Darvish in game one. The Padres had their way with the Mets this year. I haven't seen a line yet on the series. I'm thinking it's 160 to 170 Mets. I think it's worth a shot at the Padres in that series. I don't think the Mets, I'm with Paul Howard, I don't think the Mets can win it coming from a wild card because you're going to have to burn up the Grom and Scherzer if you do get through, and then you only get them once in a five-game series against the Dodgers. So I, I, I thought the Braves well. could have done that because they, they hit enough and they have more depth to their starting pitching. Well. They could come through a wild card. Uh, Cardinals are an interesting team because when I – who's the Cardinals' ace? Is Flaherty 100%? Oh, no. I mean – Wayne Wright at 150 years old? I don't know. Cleveland, I'd love to say Cleveland because I love Francona. Bieber seems to be getting back. McKenzie's pitched well. I've been talking about Cal Quantrill for four years when nobody wanted to talk about him. But their outfield, I hate their outfield. They all are like my height, and I don't really think they have arms. I don't think they – they say they're plus defenders. I don't see it. Every time I watch them, balls drop in the outfield, if it, especially if they're hit behind them. So I don't know. Uh, Tampa Bay is it's obviously uh, Glass now just came back. If Glass now was a dominant starter, you'd give them a shot. 
I think it's really hard to beat the Astros in the American League. I think I pencil in the Astros in the World Series and then think it could be some some combination of Dodgers and Braves, maybe the Cardinals, but they don't have an ace. So but it's going to be interesting. I just wish the heck this clown Manfred would have scheduled this Friday, Saturday, Monday, this wild card. Because why would they have the game threes up against the, the Cubs? The Cubs and Mets played game one of, of, a, of a National League championship series up against Sunday night football one time. It's so silly. It's so silly what you're doing to your sport. You're grasping at straws to keep people interested, and then you want to run it against the NFL. The average age of someone that identifies the NBA as their favorite sport is 31. Baseball is 53. They've got a big, big problem. And the way they do it with their blackout rules and their scheduling, it, it's, like, it's like the next generation. My kids won't even know baseball when, by, by the time they're of age. I'm scared to ask you what the average age of horse racing fans is if, if 53 for baseball. Uh, that's uh, not good. North of you. Yeah, right. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> hey, uh, we'll get you out of here on this. I know you and Chris, so this is going to be a weekly, a Tuesday endeavor for you and I, uh, the hook sponsored by Circus Sports. And then later on in the week, you're going to be back with Chris Williams. Chris likes to think he's a handicapper. He's actually had some really good years, Mike. Um, you know, all kidding aside, he, he was on a heater Oh, four or five years ago that you'd stack up against anybody. But he's going to give you his picks in there and you're going to give thumbs up or thumbs down. That's what you're going to do on Friday. Yeah, we're going to do that early on Fridays. Uh, he's going to give his five best bets. You know, I'm leading this circuit invitational now. I can't win because I'm Derek Stevens. But, you know, Matt Eumann's invited the 16 yeah. top handicappers like the Stardust. I'm a half point ahead of, uh, of Chris Felica and Chuck Edel. I went 14-5-1 so far um, through the first four weeks. So, so let's see if I can keep it up just for fun. I, I want to say one thing before we go. I was looking at the schedule the rest of the year. Now, I'm not saying this will happen, but, Kenny, it's a favorite that both Iowa and Iowa State will only be favored one more time the rest of the season each, looking at the schedule. So Iowa will be favored over Nebraska. I don't I, know about that. I don't I mean, know. I'll make your pardon, Northwestern. Northwestern, right. Northwestern yeah. Now, Nebraska uh, is could is, it depends on where Nebraska is at at that point. Iowa uh, State will be favored at home against West Virginia. That's the only game they'll be favored in. TCU's shown enough that you think that, yes. yeah, yeah, I'm with you. It's look at Mike. We're trying to figure out how both schools can get to six so we can have a little postseason with these well, teams. I said to Derek, I said, neither Iowa team might go to a bowl game this year. I, when, I, when will the myth of Matt Campbell be done with? Can, can <laughs> anybody explain that to me? Oh, you were doing so well. I hate to leave you with that. <laughs> Mike Palm, Vice President of Operations at Circa. We will be here each and every Tuesday. Uh, this is The Hook, episode number one. Mike Palm, will watch you and Chris on uh, Friday. We'll talk to you on the radio on Friday on Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO, but on Iowa Everywhere, you and I every single Tuesday talking sports betting. Thank you, Mike Palm. You have a good rest of your week. Thanks, bud. Thanks, Kenny. Good to see you. Mike Palm, uh, The Hook. On uh, Iowa Everywhere. That's going to do it for us. Join us next week. Thanks for being here this week. Iowa everywhere.